Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. We're talking to you this morning about power from on high. Oh, the youth are released also. You're dismissed. Praise God. <laughs> All right. We're still talking about power from on high. <laughs> Whether they stay or not, right? Power from on high. All right. Let me just begin before we even look at those notes there. That um, who? This is the multiple choice question, and feel free to answer. Who is the head of the church? Peter, James, John, or Jesus? Jesus. You got it right. Since he's the head of the church. Why is he the head of the church? Why is he the head of the church? Well, does the Bible say that he redeemed us by his blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people, and nation? And does the Bible say he purchased the church with his own blood? Well, he's the head of the church because he purchased the church with his own blood, which means he is the head of the church. Well, being the head of the church, let me ask you this. Does he have a right to govern the church? Yes. Establish the church? Yes. Is the church his entity or the entity of man? Oh, no. Is it a religious organization or is it a spiritual organization? Is he the one that designs it? Yes. Who has the right to place people in specific offices of, of ministry? Jesus does, right? Because he's the head of the church. So when was the church born? I realize that on, in John's Gospel, chapter 20, he breathed on them and they were born again. And that's fine because that was after the resur resurrection. But typically we know that the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost, right? Right, so on the day of Pentecost when the church was born or established and the government of the church was established, let me ask a question. Whose design was it? Man's or God's? So when these 120 went into the upper room and they were there worshiping, studying, etc. because Jesus sent them there and told them to go there and wait there, so those 120, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, they were all together in one accord in one place and suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, right? They came into that room where they were all sitting and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as of fire. Cloven tongues like as at fire and sat upon each of them. We've got a picture of this. This was in Zimbabwe, I believe, or Mozambique, one of the two places. Mozambique. Here we have a group of people gathered together like they were in the upper room. And as it was on the day of Pentecost, so it was here. And you can see cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each and every one of them. Why do you think it was that way? What's the significance of that? It wasn't just one big ball of fire. Each one 
was empowered and clothed with power from on high. Every single one of them empowered by the living God to take their place as a productive fruit bearing branch of the vine. And they were anointed and empowered to serve God on that day. Right? And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me ask you a question. Is Jesus still the head of the church? Is he the one who governs the church? Is he the one who established the church? Is this the beginning of the church? Yes. Well then, how do you think it's going to go out? When we're raptured out of here, how's it going to go out? As a wimpy, defeated, overcome, entity, body? Uh Uh-uh. You think there was glory then? There's going to be glory like we've never seen before, before the church is raptured out of here, praise God. And we're going to be a part of that if he comes in our day. Well, here we have these individuals, they're anointed, they are clothed with power from on high. And you might get excited about that, thinking that, whoa, glory to God, what a wonderful thing that took place back then. But immediately they were ushered into the front lines of fire. Peter preached his sermon, and I'm telling you, all of a sudden, what took place? All of a sudden, all these evil forces of darkness right now engage them in spiritual warfare, Right? And anytime, anywhere they go, what these demonic influences and forces are attempting to do is to stop them, to thwart them from advancing the kingdom of God upon the earth. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, what do we see? Peter and John taken into question. You know, when you read that, that sounds like um, uh, the Sanhedrin, we can say that the uh, elders, uh, all the elders and, and the high priest and all the individuals, the religious leaders the ruling religious leaders, invited him to the back building. They invited him for donuts and coffee. We want to sit them down and we want to question them. Are you comfortable, Peter? John, are you okay? Can I top, top that off? A little bit more coffee? No, 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 no. They were brought into question. In other words, they were interrogated. In other words, they were threatened Within an inch of their life. They weren't told, now don't you go and preach and teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Because if you do, you won't get that cream stick next week. Uh Uh-uh. No, no. You preach, you teach in that name anymore, you die. Well, we'll have you in prison. So don't. Don't. Just don't do it. You know, you can get to that place even in your Christian walk today. It seems like as though a python just has you in its grips and wants to just squeeze the life out of you. Squeeze the air that you breathe right out of you. That's how they were. There they are at that place, and there they are challenged, and there they are anywhere they go. Everything that they do, they are hitting a stump right up against a roadblock because all these forces of darkness are trying to get them to give up, to quit, to fall short, finally just cave in. But what did they do? They didn't. As a matter of fact, in chapter 4 of the book of Acts, it says what they did was this. They heard those words that were threatening, and they left that place, and they went to their own company, Acts 4.23. Their own company. Don't you like being among your own company? And they told them all the truth, all that what they threatened them with. And of course, 
What happened? They began to pray and said, Lord, you are God that made heaven and earth and seen all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and were gathered together against the Lord, against his Christ, of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. Right? And then all the people gathered together, even the people of Israel, for to do whatever thy hand and counsel determined for to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto us, your servants, that with all boldness we may preach your word and that signs and wonders may be wrought by the name of the holy child Jesus. And first of all, let's stop right there. They prayed the word. They prayed the word. I cannot emphasize that enough. They prayed the word. Do you think God had to be reminded that he made heaven and earth and seeing all that in them is? I don't think so. But that's how they started. In other words, they've got a lot of threats. Oh, they think there's someone special and big. They think they're going to scare us, intimidate us, and so on. But Lord, you may, let's intimidate them. You made heaven, you made the earth, you made the sea, you made all that in them is. You said all these things, and now, behold, they're threatening. Granted to us, your servants, that with all boldness we preach your word, stretch forth your hand to heal, that signs and wonders be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the Bible says, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. Are you ready for the place to shake? The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they're all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake the word of God with boldness and neither of them said that anything that they had was their own but there was great grace upon them and they gave witness to the resurrection of Jesus with great power. Wow. What an answer to prayer. But I want you to see this. The same power, the same wind that blew in among them in Acts 2 is the same wind that blew among them in Acts 4. You could say they got their second wind. Couldn't you? They got their second wind, didn't they? How many of you know about the second wind? If you're a runner and you're out there running a marathon, you get to a place sometimes where your lungs want to explode. Your muscles are on fire. And everything in you, in your body that is, says, you might as well quit. You might as well give up. You can't go any further. You're not going to make it. You're going to go under. So stop. Just stop. Just stop. Just stop. And then all of a sudden, and runners know this, out of nowhere, suddenly, there's a second wind. And that second wind revitalizes you. That second wind re-energizes you. That second wind strengthens you. Something takes place inside that human body to where you think, I could run forever now. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Just before I'm ready to drop, and all of a sudden it was like, where'd that come from? And I just kept on running and running and running and running. It was like, you could just run forever. Well, that's how it is spiritually as well. The enemy's out there coming against us, challenging us in every area of our lives. And you get to a place where you might think, oh my goodness, I'm out to quit, I'm out to give up. My healing's not coming, my deliverance's not coming, or whatever it might be. And it's not time to quit. It's time to say, you made heaven, you made the earth, you made the sea, everything in it, and you made me. And you're greater in me than he that is in this world, praise God. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm ready for my second wind. I'm ready for my second win. How many of you know 
that the devil is not intimidated or in fear of a preacher, of a song that we sing, of a program that we have, of a fellowship that we might engage in. He's not impressed with any of that. He doesn't fear any of that. But let me tell you this. You know what he's afraid of? You know what gives him nightmares? When the preacher's on fire for God. When the singers and praisers are on fire for God. When the ushers are on fire for God. When the greeters are on fire for God. When all the workers, the teachers, the helpers, uh, security, when they're on fire for God, then he gets nervous, then he gets intimidated, and then he gets fearful, and then he begins to tremble. You know why? Because when those people pray the word and the Spirit of God begins to move, that's when the place shakes where they are assembled together. That's when the shackles fall off. That's when the Red Sea parts. Praise God. Can somebody say amen? amen. Glory to God. That's when demons tremble. That's when the work of God flourishes in the earth. That's when the lost get saved, the sick get healed, the bound and afflicted get delivered and set free. Because God is manifesting His glory and power among the people in marvelous ways. Look, we live in a fallen world. And I want you to know something. We need what they had in Acts 2 and Acts 4 today to be victorious in this life. I've got good news for you. The same wind that blew in Acts 2 and the same wind that blew in Acts 4 is the same wind that blows among us today. And if you hunger and thirst for it, you're going to have it. We live in a fallen world and we know that Jesus himself even said that this world that's ruled is ruled by the powers of darkness. He said that Satan himself is the prince of the power of the air. That's what Jesus said. The apostle Paul said... He's the God of this world that we're living in. So we know that. We understand that. Well, be of good cheer, Jesus said, because I've overcome the world. Now, I know the devil has no good intentions for anybody's life, any ministry or anything like that. But is he greater than God? Is he more powerful than God? Absolutely not. The greater one lives on the inside of us. Look, Jesus knew when his disciples were sent out to evangelize the world. Now remember this. This is the inception of the church. This is the beginning of the church. He tells them, now that you're born again, don't do one thing for me. Don't advance the kingdom. Don't go and evangelize the world until you get into the upper room and get clothed with power from on high. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Don't. Don't even attempt to do it until this happens. And behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued or clothed with power from on high. We are living in a fallen world. And beneath here, as we live here on this side of heaven, we know we have all kinds of challenges below. If we want to conquer them, we need help from above. We need to be clothed with power from on high. Just as they were. That's what we need. It's the same thing. Well, he's, who's he talking to here? Remember, he just talked to the two on the road to Emmaus. And remember, their hearts were burning within them for the word that he proclaimed and told them. They, those two, went to find the other eleven. 
they find the other 11 and say, we saw the Lord. And they relay their experience to them. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears to them and says those words. Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Don't evangelize the world until you are clothed with power from on high. Jesus knew they needed power. It wasn't enough. They were born again. It wasn't enough. He gave them instructions. He gave them their work orders. He told them what to do. But he said, do not do anything until then. Is he the head of the church? Can he govern the church? Does he know what the church needs? It wasn't physical power they needed. They had that. It wasn't intellectual power. They had that. It wasn't uh, any kind of, let's say, military power that they needed. That wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to get the job done. It wasn't any kind of psychic power that they needed. That wasn't going to get the job done. What kind of power did they need? Power from on high. Spiritual power. Clothed with the third person of deity who was going to come and make his descent here upon the earth and take the place of Jesus in the earth. And he would clothe them with this power and empower them to do what? Be victorious in the earth. Advance the kingdom and of course defeat all the works of darkness. So Jesus knew what kind of power they needed. Look in the book of Acts chapter 1 and look at verses 4 and 5. This is where Jesus met with them. After this conversation in Luke 24, and being assembled together, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. This is 10 days before it, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And in verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. When were they going to be witnesses? After the power came on them. Not psychic power, not intellectual power, not physical power, not natural power and abilities. But when the power of the Holy Ghost comes upon you, that's when you will be my witness. And they went forth from the day of Pentecost. Now remember, 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, by the design of our God, who has a right to govern the church and establish it, sends the wind of his spirit to this upper room, and they are all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Each and every one having a cloven tongue of fire upon them. What does that mean? It's for everyone. Everyone. Not just one. Not just two. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was born again, spirit-filled, and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave her utterance. Do you realize that? She was there. Look in John's Gospel, chapter 7. Jesus, when he was on earth, came with a bucket list. Did you know that? Talked about that a little bit on Wednesday. And on that bucket list was one thing I'm going to point out. In the last day, that great, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they which believe on him shall receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So let's stop there just for a moment. Are you thirsty? How about the rest of you? Are you thirsty? I'm not talking about do you want a drink of water. 
Are you as in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, your tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth, and you are so thirsty you'd give anything for a drink of water? Are you thirsty? Then Jesus says, come to the minister down the street. Come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. And as the scripture said, out of your belly shall flow river. Wait a minute. I'm going from so thirsty, I need to drink so bad, to rivers coming out of me. Rivers flowing out of me. Wow. That's pretty powerful, wouldn't you say? But now notice this. But he said this. He spoke of the spirit that they which believe on him. Do you believe on him? Should receive. You must be born again, but you should receive the Holy Ghost. What's that saying? You don't have to if you don't want to. But if you want to make heaven, you must be born again. You want power? You should receive the Holy Ghost. He's talking about this advent of the Spirit and the clothing with power from on high. Well, he wasn't yet given. Right? Well, why wasn't he yet given? He tells us. Jesus was not yet glorified. You see, he's talking about something that could not happen before Jesus was glorified. So what was on his bucket list? He came to reveal the Father, did he not? He sure did. Did he do that? Right. He came to fulfill the law. Did he do that? Check it off the bucket list, right? He came to save the lost. Did he do that? Check it off. He also came to serve. Did he do that? And the list goes on and on, the wonderful things. He came to undo, outdo, and overdo the works of the devil. Did he do that? For this purpose was the Son of God, or Son of Man manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Did he do that? Okay. But then, he also came so that everyone who believes on him would be clothed with power from on high. Right? But you see, that couldn't happen until... He was crucified, resurrected, and glorified. Well, has he been glorified? Was he crucified? Was he resurrected? Is he glorified? Now he could send the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, after his glorification, he said, now's the time. And they got clothed with power from on high. Now they are equipped to go into the world and proclaim the good news of the gospel through signs, wonders, and demonstrations of God's mighty power and glory. Uh, if you recall in um, Acts 10.38, remember that verse? The Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Look at, verse, look at that uh, word power there. The word power there is dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from or dynamo from. But notice who was Anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. God the Father anointed Jesus the Son with the Holy Ghost and with what? Dunamis, miracle working power. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you know what Jesus said to his disciples? You will be endued with power. Power, the same word, dunamis, dynamite, dynamo. Miracle working power, dynamic power that comes from above. If we're going to defeat the devil here beneath, it's going to require power from above. 
And the power that's from above is the same power that anointed Jesus to do what he did when he walked upon the face of the earth. If we think that we can be as powerful and as effective in carrying out, let's say, the program of God that he has for all of our lives and living overcoming lives and, and being victorious and evangelizing the world without that power, then whose power are we believing in? Whose power are we trusting in? Our own? That's an impossibility. You can't. You can't do it that way. But we need clothed with power from on high, as they did as well. And it's sad to say that from the day of Pentecost to today, so many different denominations have arisen, and they've said, that's not for us today, and that's not for us today, and that's not for us today. And those died with the apostles. Really? Well, there were 120. There weren't just 11 apostles that were there. They added one more, Matthew, if you recall. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. There were 120 there. And then, after that, in Acts chapter 10, we see the house of Cornelius, what takes place. The Italian band, he's the leader of the Italian band, the centurion of the Italian band, and they all get filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives them utterance. They evangelize their world. And then Acts chapter 19, the list goes on and on and on and on. It continued for a certain amount of time, and then all of a sudden, the church got real sophisticated, and denominations begin to rise up. You can't believe that. That's not for today. You can't believe that. That's not Healing is not for today. It died with the last apostle. When John died, oh my goodness, so did healing. Can you imagine him in a healing line of 150 people, and you're at the back of the line, and you've got this serious disease that you want out of your body, and this guy's like 99 years old, and he's laying hands on number one, number two. You remember, you're in 150. And number three, and number four. And then you get the word, he's at 147 and dies. And there you are. Not yet, John. Resuscitate him. Bring him back. Oh my goodness. Lay hands on me, John, please. One question. Did Jesus die? Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is healing for us today as it was for them back then? Well, it didn't die when the last apostle died is my point. He's still the same today. But you see, what happens is the mentality shifts. God doesn't change, but man does. And so we get to a place that we start thinking that, well, you know, maybe it's not for us today. And maybe we don't get it that way. Maybe we're not to be healed. And, maybe, and we come up with all these excuses not to look like the church looked on the day of Pentecost when we all got filled, they all got filled with the Holy Ghost and power. To the point to where people think that that's immature. Well, look at John chapter 14. That's immature. Well, I'll tell you something right now. That is spiritual maturity when you receive from God His glory into your life and you want it to manifest through you as you surrender your all to Him. Before I even get into this, I was listening to one preacher. He said, he, he was uh, from a Baptist background. And he said, as a Baptist minister, the power of the Holy Ghost was taboo when it comes to the spiritual gifts and tongues in particular. To the point of some even saying that that is of the devil and you don't want to yield yourself to the devil, that's for sure. Well, this fiery preacher got filled with the Holy Ghost because he had a lot of dissatisfaction in his life. And guess what? He spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him utterance. And I'm telling you, he found a new found life as a believer. You talk about the glory, the power of God in his life. He said it was like power beyond human scope that entered into his being and absolutely changed his life 
and revitalize his ministry. Well, there he was enjoying it. He got a call from another Baptist minister who said, Brother, o, it was Brother Osteen, Brother Osteen, John Osteen, not Joel, but John Osteen said, Brother Osteen, he said, um, I want more of God. I have a dissatisfaction in my soul. I want more of God in my life. I want to surrender all to Him. I don't know why I have this emptiness inside me. What is it? He said, but let me stop you right now, just in case you might want to hang up or whatever. He said, let me tell you something right now. You want what I got, and when you get what I got, you'll speak in tongues, cast out devils, and lay hands on the sick for them to recover. The phone hung up. Just like that, hung up the phone on him. Well, this particular pastor was hungry for God. He said, forget you. He got away on his own. And when he got before the Lord out there and just praying and waiting and praying and waiting and praying and waiting on God, he was actually in his car, sitting in a field somewhere. And he said, I was praying and asking God, I am so dissatisfied. I want you. I want to surrender my all to you. There's something missing in my life. I don't know what it is. He said, the voice of the Lord came unto him saying, call up Brother Osteen and have him pray for you. And you receive the Holy Ghost. It finally hit him. That's what I've been longing for. That's what I've been wanting all this time. So he calls him on the phone. Now he's in on the East Coast. And they're in Houston, Texas. Which is a great distance away. He calls him up on the phone and says, Brother Osteen. He said, uh, you got to lay hands on me so I can receive the Holy Ghost. He said, look. You don't have to come all the way here. Almost 2,000 miles away. I can pray for you on the phone right now. You can receive the Holy Ghost right where you're at. He said to Brother Osteen, he said, you didn't hear what Jesus said to me, did you? Jesus said, go see Brother Osteen, have him lay hands on you, and you receive the Holy Ghost. Of course, Brother Osteen had to say, oh, I'm sorry. So he made the trip. Went all the way to Houston, Texas. You see, when you're thirsty for something, that's what you do. When you're hungry for something, that's what you do. I hunger for it. I thirst for it. I want to reach out for it. I want to surrender for it. Whatever I need to do, I'm not going to be satisfied with only being satisfied with being dissatisfied because I want more of you. So he made the trip all the way to to the Osteens. And when he got there, he could hardly wait. Just put your hand on me. Pray for me. He did. Laid his hands on him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. He spoke with other tongues. And he was speaking in other tongues for... Hours. Just just going off and just speaking in tongues for all this length of time. And finally, Brother Osteen just said, I'm going to go to bed. This guy's speaking in tongues all night long. He wakes up in the morning. He's still doing it. He is still praising God in other tongues. And you see, as a result, this man's life in ministry was revitalized. He got the first wind. And I'm sure somewhere along the line of his life, he would get the second wind like we all need from time to time. But the point is, that's a picture of somebody who says, it doesn't matter to me if I speak in another language. It doesn't matter to me if I have to cast out a devil or a demon. All I want is more of God in my life. And Jesus said, if you're hungry and you're thirsty for the things of God, come to me and drink and out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe in him should receive. Because the Holy Ghost was not yet given because he wasn't glorified. Well, you know what? He's glorified now. 
And today people are wanting to know, what do we need to do to have a greater reality with God? And I'm, I'm, it's sad to say this. In many churches around the world, people have become so seeker sensitive that they have desensitized themselves to the Holy Spirit of God. They're seeking, you see, to have others satisfied and not God satisfied. God is speaking to the church world today and saying, it's time to get back. It's time to get real. It's time to surrender all. It is time to give yourself totally to him and let him be the head of the church. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him manifest his glory in your life. And you're going to speak with other tongues. And you say, is that a bad thing? He that prays in an unknown tongue lets his spirit pray and not his head, his mind. Remember the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 and 14 and 15 where he said, if I pray with my spirit, I will pray with my, with my with understanding. I'll pray with my spirit, I'll pray with my understanding. See, when I'm praying with understanding, I'm attached to what? My brain. When I detach from my brain and pray with my, in other tongues, I pray with my spirit. So here we are, we can, we can let's say, activate intellectual power or we can act, activate supernatural power. The choice is ours. Ours. What do I want to attach my tongue to? My brain or my spirit? My brain or my spirit? You see, when he did this on the day of Pentecost, it opened up a whole new avenue of ministry. They are clothed with power from on high and now they are sent forth into the world and they go in the power of the spirit, not in their own strength or ability, and the Spirit of God manifests Himself to convince the world of sin, righteousness, of judgment. Of sin. Because they don't believe on Him. Righteousness. Because He fulfilled all that He had to fulfill. And He's become our righteousness. And judgment. Because the prince of this world has been judged. So. We are living at a time right now, my brother and my sister, that is getting closer to the return of our Lord than it's ever been. So many signs have been fulfilled. So many... Things that are basically saying, look, he's coming soon. How do we want to go out? A religious organization? Or a church set ablaze and on fire for the living God? I'm talking about a church that understands that Pentecost wasn't just for the day. That was the fourth spring feast that was fulfilled. Four in the spring. Three in the fall. Those four have been fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost, from that one to the first fall one, which is trumpets, we're in that period of time that is called harvest. We're here to make a reap a harvest for God. And we need every tool that we can possibly use to reap that harvest for God. To be victorious in this realm of life, people are trying to do it well, because of what their intellectual, let's say, ability is. Or... The power of God. The supernatural ability of God. It's during this time, praise God, right now, that we need the fullness of what God has provided for us so that we can rise up and be the church without spot and without wrinkle. A glorious church that He's looking to come back for. And you know what? There's only one way to do it. Start exactly where He said. If you're here and you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe you're born again, but you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost... You really should receive the Holy Ghost. If you're here and you have been filled with the Holy Ghost, but you rarely pray in the Spirit, you should 
give yourself over to the Spirit. If not, we are relying on intellectual powers and abilities to do a job that requires supernatural powers and abilities. So I've been instructed of the Lord to do it this way. Can we stand together before the Lord?